0: And welcome to the Pet Cash pod presented by ProFluence Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Petcash. Appreciate you being here today. You can listen to the other ones. So many great ones with athletes, founders, executives, and just what I call the smartest people in sports at ProFluence.com podcast. We did another great one today with Dominic Pardini. He is the CEO and one of the co-founders at Crew Lab. They are a sports management platform. They've tailored just to the rowing industry so far, we go deep into that space. A lot of great insights. I didn't know too much, uh, but but tons to be learned there, which uh, you'll you'll find fascinating and insightful. And then also uh, how they plan to scale, how they plan to keep growing. They did just raise a pre seed round um, from some notable angels and uh, people, which Dom talks about within this. But uh, without further ado, let's learn even also um, for founders. Uh, Dom uh coming from Accenture jumping into entrepreneurship in the sports world gives some, some great uh tips there as well. So let's dive in. Dom, appreciate you hopping on today. I know we had a uh little rescheduling, but we're here and uh okay. I'm I'm excited, brother. I'm excited to to dive into rowing, your future plans, what you're doing, and I guess first off, uh, I believe it's public. But congrats on uh, closing your uh, investment round. That's I'm sure a big big sigh of relief and excitement for you.
1: Yeah, it's, it means I get to do the fun part and build the business and interact with teams and coaches. So it, it's sort of announced. We we haven't really publicized it yet, but we we just finished our pre seed round.
0: Amazing. Cool. Yeah, maybe we'll get that in a uh, PR release on on Profluence or something. We'll we'll get that up if you if you want. But yeah, uh anyway, like to... I guess I guess starting here, you know, give us a little bit of your background and uh what ultimately led to the creation of Crew Lab and, and what you're doing today.
1: Cool. Yeah. And first off, I'm I'm super excited to be here with you too. I, I listen to your podcast all the time, learn a lot from you. So, <laughs> appreciate, so happy to be a
0: guest. Pre- <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, no, both ways, man. I'm excited to learn from you today.
1: Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, so, two for myself, two relevant backgrounds for why I'm here, and then I'll talk about the team a little bit too. Uh, so, I've first and foremost been competing uh, primarily in rowing, but you know, when you when you do something like an endurance sport, it takes you into all other things: CrossFit, cycling, running, all these sorts of things. So, I've been I've been rowing for like 15 years now. And uh, it's taken me all over the world. It's been the greatest joy and ride of of my life, lifelong friendships. And it's it's been an amazing experience. I I wrote in high school, did did well there, wrote it at UCLA, ended up coaching at UCLA. I still coach uh, a a junior program here in Los Angeles. So it's always been a big part of of who I am um, and, and driven a lot of who I have become. Um, And then the second relevant part of my background is in more engineering. So I I studied mechanical engineering at UCLA and new product development. Worked that into a consulting career for a little while at Accenture. Got to work on some really cool projects, big companies, big industries, huge transformations. Um, And sort of combined those passions to innovate in the sports world. And the, the team has all a similar background. We many of us rode together at UCLA. I started it with my co-captain at the time, um, David, and and my coach at the time, Simon. So there's there's a big UCLA uh, love on the team, and we've expanded a little bit since. So we all have a similar love and of of sports. We went our separate ways with with uh, you know professionalism, and then came back to it.
0: And I guess before we dive too deep into the details, give us the overview of exactly what the platform is today and, and even maybe a little bit of where, where it's evolved from over time. Yeah,
1: yeah. The evolution is, is interesting. I'll start with where, where it is today. Uh, so it's a sports team management system, and it takes average teams and turns them into unstoppable crews. And the way we do that is it's a shared team space. There, there's a social element to it. Think of like a Strava or an Instagram, but more, more private for your team. There's some safeguarding of, of information of young people as well that, that goes along with it being walled off and private. And then on top of that, there's a handful of tools for athletes and coaches to perform better. So there's insights, analytics, there's scheduling, there's videos, kind of a one-stop shop for what you need to run run a team. And how it's evolved, we went into it with a really data science-heavy mindset. But like There's tons of information in rowing, especially every stroke you take. There's like 30 data points of oar angles and pressure meters, all these sorts of things. And as engineers, we're like, we want to extract all the data and make it useful and, and really drive the future of the high performance. But the more that we talked with coaches, the more that we worked in the sport, and actually building a product. It's so much is turned so much to be around um, engagement and retention and community and belonging and bringing all of the like the superpowers. Well, I think that we've developed at UCLA. We had a really solid team. We had a really great culture there. Bringing, bringing that in to, to share with more people became moved from this elite performance tool to becoming more of a, an everyman utility tool.
0: And I, I guess on that, the evolution, uh, you know, is it to expand beyond rowing? You know, what what is sort of the future now that you've built this, built these case studies, you've done it now for a few years, and then you uh, you obviously just raised the, the pre-seed round as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's a good question. The, um, we started in rowing. Cause it's what we know and what we love. We've got great relationships in the sport and I use it as a rowing coach every single day, but the ambition has always been all sports everywhere. Um, I think that we are following the model where you, you gotta be successful. You gotta prove yourself, cut your teeth in a niche and really get, you know, really good usage and uptake. So we're still focused on rowing for the foreseeable future, but we're working our way into the adjacent sports, running, swimming, cycling, as we go, um, and then eventually getting to, to all the ball sports. But right now in our, in our, in our focus, it's really, uh, really focused on rowing. I think that because of our, our funding, because of the power of our team, it's going to be pretty hard to beat the sort of value that we're delivering to, to rowing coaches. It's a really holistic product that helps them run their team. And then once we nail that, working our way
0: to more. Yeah. And I don't know if you're fine with this, but, uh, you know, if you could go into a little bit of the fundraising process for you, any learnings and also who some of these investors are in the pre-seed round, which is, you know, one of the first, call it institutional, whatever, um, you know, just from previous conversations, I'll let you say, but some, you know, good, good backers behind you now as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, tons of learnings. You learn so much. <laughs> I, it it's, it's, if I wasn't pitching for months and months and months and hundreds and hundreds of pitches, I don't think I would have been successful with the eventual pitches that I did get with, with some great people. So, so this is our second round of fundraising. We raised some, some angel capital from some, some really great investors as well. General counsel of Marriott uh, for many years and Olympic silver medalists and, and CMO of um, Bumble. So some of our angels were fantastic advisors to us. And then in this pre-seed round, uh, we brought on some some more great people. The the, the lead of the round is Scott Sandel from uh, he's the managing director, chairman, CEO of, of NEA, one of the big VCs out there. He invested personally. He's got a background in sports as well, and he's really bought into the mission. And I think that a lot of what I've learned is that the the founder market fit is very important, and 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 a lot of sophisticated investors look that is do these people actually have experience and actually have connectivity in the world is there some unique insight and take and and the more i leaned into that in my my presentations i think the the better things went the authenticity of why we're doing doing this
0: i'm always just curious like did you tap into the ucla market at all or, or what was sort of your even outreach strategy now just trying to help other people that that are going through it if there was any little things you did because fresh off it i think you can give some some pretty good perspective
1: yeah. I mean, we started the business not wanting to raise a dime. And then we went through the startup UCLA accelerator program. That was our first check. They gave us $5,000 and it was, it was huge money for us. And then, you know, if you've been in any accelerators, or incubators, they are go raise money machines. <laughs> Let's work on your pitch deck, pitch deck, pitch deck, pitch deck. We're like, okay, we do want to make a software platform that's truly delivering fantastic world class product experiences. We probably need to get some firepower behind it. So we did start very much out of the UCLA network and then friends and family, some angels, and then connections from there. And we've done everything from cold outreach on email, from, you know, link, LinkedIn outreach to networks that we're part of, to VCs, to angel networks. I mean, I've pitched a lot of people and did a ton of outreach. And for something that's considered niche in some senses, rowing and sports, it, a lot of people were deterred by the, what they thought would be the market opportunity, but when we found people that got it, that had some sort of affinity, some sort of pull to bring them into sports, that's when things move. It's when you, you there needs to be you need to have all the things. You need to have the financial story down. Mm-hmm. You need to have the emotional connection and the trust in the founders that they are, you know, the right people to build it.
0: Yeah, and I think rowing is interesting. I, I know we haven't talked to anyone on this podcast about it, but. Uh, Best sport ever. About, Everyone should do it. Everyone should do it. <laughs> I know we were talking before I was on the row. I know it's not real rowing, but I was on the machine this morning, and, and that thing was it, was it was man. I was sweating real hard. We'll just we'll leave it great. at that. And body, some body work.
1: exercise.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Uh, You don't realize it get your hamstrings just as much as it gets your arms, and but uh, anyway, you know, give us give us the rundown of of rowing as an industry it, itself, of what it looks like. Is there a professional, like college? What is the pipeline? Uh, Any insights there would be amazing because, again, I I have a lot of blind spots, and I'm sure 99% of other people listening to this do as well.
1: Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of rowing. Obviously, I can tell you about it. There's recreational rowing, and there's people that row, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they're quite different, right? There's the, the people that pick up a rowing machine at a gym or go to a row house class or pick it up from CrossFit. And great athletes in their own right, but it's, it's a very different community than the true rowing community, which can be approximated by U.S. rowing membership here in the U.S. They have something like 75,000 members, something like 2,000, 1,500 um, organizational members. Uh, about half of that is junior, so high school and below, about a quarter of that is uh, collegiate, and about a quarter of that is masters. There's not really a professional rowing scene. There, there's some stipends from the USLPC, and there's a little bit of funding, and there's a lot of there's a big network of host families. But it's a very much an Olympic sport. It's about you know the world championships and the Olympics. It's it's not there's not a lot of money, not a lot of sponsorships. It's it's very much amateurism. Most I don't know many Olympians start in college. Which you can't imagine saying that about something like. Soccer or tennis or basketball, right? They start in college, and and then just they stick with it. Fantastic athletes can can figure it out. Um, it's it's a great sport. It's international. I think there's like 180 countries that have rowing organizations.
0: Well, I was gonna say uh, maybe glossing over the most important thing. If, have we even explained what rowing is? Like. <laughs> there might i just realized like yo we might have even had to break it down like what is the actual sport itself yeah a
1: lot of people think it's the same as kayaking and sailing and um i I don't know the textbook definition but you're in boats with oars and you have sliding seats and you push really hard with your legs it's not just a pulling thing you push really hard you try to make the boats go as fast as possible you typically raise two thousand meters it's the olympic distance Although when they come to LA in 2028, it's going to be 1500 meters. It's a big scandal. Who knows how well that's going to go. Mm. Um, (laughs) And then it's sort of like track uh, cross country and track and field where in the fall, you do longer distance racing. And then in the spring, you do shorter
0: sprints. Is there any dominant colleges or I guess countries as well? Like, is there any sort of, when people think of rowing in that, you know, in your space, when you said like rowers, not recreational yeah. You're like, Oh, that's that country. Or, oh, that's that college. Like that's that, that's the Duke of basketball.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, if anyone's curious about rowing, there's a movie that just came out that, uh, it's called boys in the boat. It tells the story of the 1936, I believe it's 36 uh, Olympic team that came out of university of Washington. It's, it's got patriotism. It's got rags to riches. It's got all the elements of uh, sticking it to the Nazis, all these things. Uh, great movie. Check it out. Um, but to answer your question more directly, since that era, University of Washington has been fantastic. Cal, Harvard, Yale, there's a lot of lot of history. I I don't know if this is right. Fun fact: um, the first intercollegiate competition in America was a race between Harvard and Yale rowing. is like the yeah. oldest sport. Used to have th- hundreds of thousands of spectators. Now everyone's watching basketball, the sport that you played. <laughs> uh, a little bit more exciting to watch.
0: Yeah, I um, remember my. my... My yeah. first exposure to rowing was uh the the Mark Zuckerberg movie yep. with the twins that he steals yeah what yeah. is it the Winklevoss The Winklevoss think, twins And they're big Winklevoss
1: they're big uh, tech tech investors uh crypto people there they they done okay Yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah I know they run uh I forget Gemini. the name of it but one of the biggest blockchain company like a, a Coinbase alternative basically Gemini uh, which is pretty Gemini. crazy Yeah Yeah Gemini yeah. And then uh getting to boston going to school there that's when i realized oh wow like rowing's head bigger than i thought because they yeah. yeah head of the charles the regatta if you can go into a little detail there uh, because i remember going holy cow this thing is huge and i showed up and there's people drinking and having a good time yeah. and they uh, that that was a cool experience my first time
1: it's the it's the one week of the year that um, rowing's cool <laughs> and <laughs> It takes over the city. It's, it's I think it's the top four biggest events up there with like the Boston Marathon. It's the biggest race in the world, the biggest rowing race. It's a 4,000 or so meter race through the Charles River through some turns. And if you position yourself well, you can watch boats crash into the <laughs> into the bridge and hit each other. Yeah. And, and uh, it's just, it's a joy. People travel from all over the world. There's vendors, there's beer, there's vineyard vines, there's fun activations. And it's it's a really fun yeah. race. If you ever want to check out rowing, that's the place to do it. Or Henley Henley's yeah. in London.
0: Henley in London. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. I I guess for the last 10 minutes or so, I just want to slight pivot. Uh, now that we understand rowing a little bit of your background, what you built, you know, just trying to help a lot of these people jumping in to the founder seat coming from Accenture. I, I get a lot of messages from people of. Whether it's an investment banking or consulting or whatever it is, going "Ah, I really want to make this jump to sports or I have this idea. You know what? What was sort of your experience around it, and and I guess what what is just some advice you could give to people to make that to make that leap of faith and and go after it.
1: Short answer is do it. Life's too short to to worry about (laughs) it. The 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 long answer is part of me. Part of me is luck. Part of it's luck because. I have a lot of great examples in my family of of entrepreneurs that have done risky things. And, you know, seven of my uncles have started businesses. So it's like very much in my blood. Um, and then I also at Accenture, I was working at a very, um, startup y like project at Disney studio lab. I was making a bunch of products internally for Disney, but what really got me going was uh, I was reading the, the how I built this book and you know, the guy Raz's podcast. And there was this BCG Mm -hmm. consultant, I forget his name. He was starting a beer company or wanted to, and he was going back and forth. Should I do it? Should I not? And some, he said, basically, like, it's scary to fail a business, to try and fail. It's dangerous to waste your life doing something you don't love, working for people that aren't important, working on causes that don't matter. And and I've always been very impact oriented. And I think once I put it in the mindset of like, yeah, it's scary, but, but scarier is, is to never having tried. I think that helped to build a lot of confidence. And then I think advice is don't do it alone. I, I've very much been, you know, I'd rather have a, tr- a, a chunk of a bigger pie than uh, and, and do it with a group of people that I care about. So finding a team has kept me going. Sometimes my teammates are really surging and really full of energy and sometimes I'm down and we, we can kind of balance each other and lift each other up. So, uh, don't waste your life, find a team, learn as much as you can. You can try things before you quit and then, you know, have a, I, I, I left my job when we got our first big check from an investor. So we were working on the business for a while. So it's not as scary as you think. You can always turn back.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I, I think one of the things people underestimate is that. By starting your own thing, you actually have some of the most job security of anyone to some degree (laughs) yeah. (laughs) because you start to meet so many different people. And so if you ever, I always say like, if I ever really got in a pinch, there's literally thousands of people I could get in contact with or call that will, I I could find something. So I actually have the most security and I'm sure, you know, it's similar for you as well. Because again, even just going through the fundraising process, how many people you meet that, (laughs) you know, it's crazy.
1: And that there's, there's so much incentive to, to, to meet people and, and to network and like you would, you, you, it pushes you beyond what you were before in this com- comfy corporate job. It makes you because you're exposed, you need to do it. You need to survive. And it just, it leads you on an, on a journey that you wouldn't take
0: otherwise. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, capitalism <laughs> summed up to a T now, I guess. And I know rowing has some of its, uh, I'm sure quirks to it, but coming from a center, even, you know, any interesting things in sports just as an industry itself that you've become aware of now, now, not talking so much from your athletic days, but more from your founder days of building this company.
1: Definitely. I think there's a ton of opportunity in sports. At Accenture, I was working in a pretty um, innovative group. It was innovation and new product development. So we were always, like years ago, talking about generative AI and what the impacts on you know movie making is going to be, and 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 uh, you know blockchain and five G, all the all the buzzwords. We had all the buzzwords all the time, constantly trying to find a way to apply the buzzwords. And I think that, um, sports as a whole is it's the kind of, I mean, it's, it's sort of nonprofit. It's kind of a business industry. At least I'm talking in the world that I'm talking about, which is the more youth and amateur sports. And it's way behind, like in the technology adoption curve, it's way behind our, our competitor for our, for our, our product and who we're trying to better serve beat is, is like spreadsheets and email and text messages. And hmm. so I think that There's tons of opportunity for for technology to to impact the way things work. I think that there's going to be a ton of winners. There's going to be, including the people that are the athletes and the coaches. Part of what motivates us is having been athletes and coaches and having been professionals. We kind of see the the tale of two cities in terms of tooling. And we want coaching to be awesome, coaching to be a profession. Coaches are heroes. They're they're massively impacting the lives of other people. And anything we can do to upgrade coaches, anything we can do to, to make the athlete experience better, I think we're doing an actual social good in the world. And so that's another thing that I've noticed, I guess I feel a lot better about what I'm doing now versus what I was doing before, because there's a, there's a real like, impact and, and obesity and depression and, and societal mm-hmm. on a societal level. So I encourage a lot of people to work in sports tech. There's a ton of opportunity. And even just taking the idea of shifting something from a corporate setting and into more of an amateur sports setting, there's a lot, of, a lot to do there.
0: I agree with you. Um, that's why we're sitting here having this podcast, but, uh, you talked about some of the buzzwords curious, uh, if there's any trends now that you're paying attention to,
1: I think more, um, regulatory societally is what is that those types of trends I think are very interesting, like participation, declining and hyper specialization from a young age. And, transfer portals and nil and this big whirlwind that's changing the game in some sense it's like professionalizing and there's more resources and that's a good thing and athletes are being paid and that's a good thing and in some sense it's kind of stripping sports of what makes it great and 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 you know unique it shouldn't feel like business and results oriented in the same way um so i think that i'm i'm watching how all this shakes out from the college level and its impacts downstream in the high school level and encouraging, hopefully through through our business and, and through just whatever influence I do have, encouraging just enjoying sports. Our mission is lifelong enjoyment and achievement in sports. That's what we're trying to champion. And, and let's not forget that that's what it's about. And I think a lot of people are.
0: Yeah. One of the things about sports that's, Interesting. Uh, some people call it a disadvantage. Some people call it an opportunity, whatever it is. But there are those breaks, right? If, for example, you look at a Netflix technology, it doesn't matter as you're going through your life. It's just still there in sports, yeah. though. Even if you look at rowing, it goes from just say your local, I know in Boston and in New York, they have sort of like rowing clubs for high schools, because it might not be attached. So you might go from that to college to Olympics, whatever. And then there might be a huge gap before you need to use something again. So it is sort of like, can you keep it all structured and make and serve many really p- people at once at different. Yeah. It's really, it's really, it's really tough, especially youth sports. I'll be people's common thing of, Oh, they're only going to use this for four years or even college sports. But again, you've seen whoop and you've seen some of these companies get over that. Well, is, I, I think
1: you've written, you've written about the billion dollar idea of the, the Google for sports it's is out there that, that unicorns out there, the, 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 the Platform to unify through through the life cycle of yep. the athlete, the different constituents, the parents, the athletes, the coaches. It's opportunity. Yeah, just like Google. Yeah. You, you, you can sign into everything with Google now. You know, and they know yeah. everything
0: about you. <laughs> everything. Everything. Um. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be getting rowing ads uh, later yeah, today. Sure rowing, my rowing, rowing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's listening? Instagram. Um, My Instagram, my Instagram will be, you know, here's how to row. <laughs> but uh, no, Don. This on, is, that note, on that
1: note, I want to give a big shout out if anyone from a, a national governing body or like a youth sports organization nonprofit is listening, you guys are awesome. Keep it up. You guys are the people that stitch the the ecosystem together, and I know those jobs are thankless, and I, you guys are doing doing the Lord's work. So good job sports
0: yeah no that that's a good good call especially as you get closer to olympics and things like that it gets really crazy now yeah yeah, dom first off appreciate you coming on lots of great insights in this where where can people learn more what's your website socials or
1: yeah thanks thanks for that um you can check us out at crewlab.io
0: and you can find me on linkedin dominic perdini those are probably the best channels i love that follow us on instagram too
1: if you like content okay
0: (laughs) I, i guess last thing as you think about entering new sports, you know what what does that selection process look like, or or what do you crew? Obviously, that's where you all came from, so it makes sense why that's first. But as you go to do a second one, there's a lot of options. What goes into that uh, that decision making process, or what are you sort of analyzing?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good question and one we talk about all the time. <laughs> there's lots of ways to slice up the market. Sport being a major one, you can also think about geographically. You can think about personas, athletes, coaches, parents. Um, So there's a lot we can do in even the single sport by expanding geographically and adding more people to it. So that's first. And then second is we look at the kind of experience that we can deliver. And and I think the sports that are most similar to rowing um, are swimming and running and and those sorts of things. So we consider that angle is is like our right to win, our time to value for, for that market. And we also consider, of course, the, the size of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up are probably the endurance, the endurance sports is what what kind of we're tagging it
0: as. Makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Well, good stuff. We'll get you on. Uh, we'll get you back on as as you start to knock some of those out. Cool.